Welcome, welcome my friends to the Beggars and Brawlers podcast. This is episode 68, recorded Tuesday the 14th of February, Valentine's Day, and I have Morgan Cole back with us for another episode or an author hangout where we just kind of casually chat about what's going on in our author lives. Uh, we ended up talking about writing blocks, accidental successes, and giving ourselves permission to follow our muse, plus some updates on what we're working on and what we're reading and listening to right now. Okay, so Morgan, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks. Good to be back. Totally. It was really fun to chat with you and to find out more about what what went into writing Marilia. It's crazy that it was a 10-year project, but how are things going for you recently? Well, they're going pretty well. I mean, for the most part. (laughs) Yeah. Hitting that that balance of of, uh, creative stuff and the regular work life. Yeah, I I'm, feel like I'm pretty lucky. I have a, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I have a job in government, so um, it's not as, I, I went to law school while I was yeah. writing these books, and oh, wow. I was a lot of jobs where I could not have time to work on, yeah. you know, writing, editing, any sort of creative stuff, like yeah. they were <laughs> so many hours, yeah. and I just really was scared of falling into that, that trap, yeah. Yeah. like, um, but I, I found one where it's more of a regular, it's not like, I mean, it's, it's a full-time job or sometimes more than yeah. a full-time job, but it's not yeah. crazy. Um, and then, so I'm really glad for that. So, yeah, yeah, I, I feel very blessed. And I'm every day, you know, I, I appreciate that I was able to make that happen. Totally. That's always been in my mind is like, I either want a job that's really fulfilling, like getting paid to write my books <laughs> Or I want a job that leaves me enough time and like mental energy to write the books that I want to on the side. Like, I don't know if you just know the story about uh, Brandon Sanderson, but before he was published, he was working as a night clerk at a hotel because it was super slow and all night he could just write his books. That if you, if you can't just get paid to write your books, the next best thing is something that like gives you enough space to do it, which is, yeah. that's the fruit gig for me is that like, I work really hard for four months and then I don't work the rest of the time. So yeah, I guess they can't really sell them in the winter as much. Can you? No, I mean, there are probably things I could sell. Like I could be scrappy and sell Christmas trees and Halloween costumes <laughs> and like blankets. And there's all kinds of things I could do, but I don't have to. And like you for that, I feel very grateful. And how do you like, do you grow them yourself or do they, or do you just sell them from somewhere? Uh, no, I, um, I buy them from the growers basically. So I know okay. the people who own the orchards and I kind of know their growing season. And I'll like, whenever they're getting ready to harvest the next thing that I know that I can sell well, I drive out to wherever they are. It's usually thousands of miles away <laughs> and buy it and then bring it back to the place where I sell, which is Western North Dakota and uh, where they can't uh, grow any fruit at all. And they yeah, that's true. Really good fruit because the grocery stores are also small and their stuff is old. Um, so I bring the stuff that's like a couple days off the tree and they're happy and buy it. And thus do I have time in the rest of the year to write books. So, yeah. Um, so I was uh, going through this experience. I don't know if you've had this happen to you, but um, I'm writing book four, and uh, there. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah, writing book four is cool. I mean, it, yeah. I could just be a fool in writing book four. I did it for my last series, uh, and it wasn't selling well. And I wrote a book four that I thought was really good, and I was like, and no one is going to read this. And 
finally, ultimately, like it got published by someone else and they put it out as a box set. And I know that lots of people read it, which makes me That's feel good. good. That's but good. At the time, I should not have written that book four. I feel a little bit better about writing this book four because people are reading books one through three. <laughs> but thank you for that. Um, but I ran into this thing uh, of having like it's a big world there's a lot of details and there's uh one like culture that has always kind of been in the background and they're like major players and they're like technologically advanced but i don't oh, have... I think i know which one they are now <laughs> okay nice yeah maybe <laughs> the, i'm wrong the salem i forgot i don't know how to salem, say that dale you've got it yeah, yeah. Okay. you actually said the name right which is not easy uh yeah they're like mysterious and up on their mountaintops and um none of the readers know what's going on with them and I didn't really either and now in book four I'm like oh I need to figure out what's going on with these people because it's suddenly important to the story um and I have like more than one character who's from there so I need to like make sure their cultural markings match um but it was really interesting because unlike the beginning of the series when I was just creating things from whole cloth I had all these little pieces and all these things that people had said and this prejudice that the other people of the world feel against these people and this magic system that exists, like they have a sort of magical technology, but I didn't know how it worked. <laughs> and so I had this funny experience that I needed to go back and fill in those blanks, but it wasn't just blank. It was like more like ad libs where there were parts of the sentence and I had to put in something that didn't suck as the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever... Did, have you had that happen like in the chrysanthemum or um working on the other series or anything else <laughs> yes I, so this is like i mean I, I can think of two examples one where i succeeded one where i have yet to succeed and uh, is, yeah. so i i mean i was working on another book in the in the same world as my the wind and sunlight book not not oh, exactly cool. a sequel but like another standalone adventure novel nice. and i just Stand started going at it now. And I got like halfway through and then I was like, I did not do enough world building. Like I just oh, okay. didn't, I, I had all these things and I just threw them in, but I didn't, I, I, I think I almost need to step back. Uh, I don't want to say rewrite the whole book because like I love the characters and the dialogue, but the world building clearly, that's always something I've yeah. struggled with is world building. And it usually takes me the long time. And I think I, yeah. I just rushed, jumped the gun on this one. So I probably have to walk it yeah. back and really do a lot more thinking about that. Um, I yeah I had the exact same thing happen to me last year like so speaking of the fruit business I always have this goal that I'm going to write more than I do during the fruit season because like the first few years I just dropped it completely and I felt like the gears were really rusty when I'd come back to it after four months so last summer I was finally like okay I'm just going to write something it doesn't have to be good but like I also don't have anything to tell my newsletter subscribers during that time so I was like I'm going to write a serial I'm just going to jump into it. I'm not going to plan like I normally plan and see what happens. And what happened is that very fast as like, where are we and what's going on? And like <laughs> the world was so sketchy that like I could not go forward. And after like a month of doing it, I was like, okay, the problem is not that I'm trying to write by dictation, which is new. And the problem is not that like, I don't know the story or the characters. It's that like, I don't know the world and I need to be a geek about the world for a while to feel like I know where I am in like time and space and culture. And after I did that, uh, which like, again, was me not writing during the fruit season. It was me like being a geek. Then the story came really easily. So um, yeah, you might need to just like geek out for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like the geeking doesn't come naturally. 
I mean, it does. It 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 can depending on what the thing is. Like, yeah. I really, I I felt like it's hard to explain, but like certain things I love developing. Like, yeah, but but certain other things, like I guess I got stuck because I felt like the cultures were like almost becoming too generic, and like mm. you know, like oh, these are like the northerners, you know, the quintessential yeah. northerner. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah. I just wasn't pleased. But then the when I tried to barbarians. make Yeah, the Frosty Barbarians. I mean, they weren't quite like that, but yeah. I don't know. It was all very vague and eh, I think I'll, I'll maybe yeah. take that one drop back to the drawing board, keep the characters and the plot, but yeah. need to, the, the plot got stuck because the world was so underdeveloped. Like I had a part where I needed, I really needed to understand the world to get them to be able to proceed through this one yeah. kink in the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll That's see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, you that Queen of Wind and Sunlight is set on the on the same planet or world. Uh, it's a different world from Marillia. It's a whole different yeah uh, un- area. Yeah, yeah, but you have a you have a book that's there, and there's so much of it that's like on yes, board, yes, but, yeah, that's yeah. But it it was a different part of the world, I guess. Um, but yeah. you think I would have? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So you're uh, getting stuck and you need to, yeah. It's one of my greatest fears is like getting stuck. That's part of why I didn't, Ugh. I was even scared to publish my second uh, Chris Athamir book because I was like, what if I, I, I get write myself into a corner, you know? In fact, I had a thing where in the first book, I actually had a, t- a typo that wrote myself into a corner. Like I said, someone's age was something. And then later oh. I realized it didn't make sense. Oh, or no. and I actually, I actually, this is a guilty, guilty admission. I went back and changed the book on Amazon, like just that oh, one word. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I think um, I think you're uh, fully within your rights. Like, this is part of having power over our books. Is like, if it needs a change and it's been published, like everybody who reads it from that change forward will know what's up. Like, yeah, I, I mean, it's like I couldn't yeah, have done I, that with a traditional publisher. I'd be stuck with that no, not plot exactly. hole forever. Yeah, like the Mary Robin Nicole. I don't know if you follow her, but she her first book got published, and they somehow left off the first line of the first chapter. Like Oof. it just wasn't in the published book, and they're like, "Yeah, we can't fix that." And so, like at her signing, she writes in the first line. <laughs> but, That's wonderful. Um, yeah, with Daughter of Flood and Fury, the first book in this current series. Um, uh-huh. I won't spoil the ending, but something happened. Please don't. <laughs> and uh, it was a little bit vague whether a character survived or not. And I thought it was vague in a very pleasing way. <laughs> and then uh-huh. um, in the second book, you kind of find out whether they survive or not. And I got these reviews that were angry, like, they can't die and just come back to life. Like, this is such a huge plot hole. I'm like, no, but it's it should be clear from that last line. And uh, it wasn't Interesting. clear. So I just rewrote that last chapter because I was like, I guess I got to make it clearer for y'all. And so <laughs> I did. And those angry reviews of book two have stopped coming in. So well, that's, that's great. Yeah. The power yeah. to do that is an amazing thing. I, I would think if, you know, if all authors had it, maybe Game of Thrones would have an ending by now. <laughs> I know. We could go back yeah. and just like, you know. Oh, like, clearly there's Ned something Stark's that's not working. Because that's, yeah. that's what the series needs. It needs Ned. Yeah. Something. Die too soon. Um, I don't think anyone has ever. I think I caught my little mistake early on, so hopefully no one will ever know that I. But then I had another one where I know a character, there these typos. Like I, I even had an editor 
and I slipped through like a character. It wasn't like a misspelling. It was just like yeah. a character. I used the wrong name for one character instead of another. There was two characters called Claraline and Claria. And for somehow in my head, I got them scrambled. Their names were similar. So I yeah. used the wrong name for the wrong character like one in one chapter. And I was like, oh my God, how did I not see this? Like, yeah. what a plot hole. I mean, not really, because I'm sure the readers would be smart enough to figure out what I meant to say, but it just was awkward. Oh, it's like embarrassing. Yeah, I don't know. There are some readers who are like so angry at continuity errors. And like, I, I am guilty of some very bad ones. I, my first series... Um, Beggar's Rebellion. I entered it in a pretty big contest, the self-published fantasy blog off. Um, oh, yeah. And I ended up being a finalist. And Congrats. the version, thanks, the version of the book that it was in the finals, like when you submit it, you can never change it. Like you can't revise it. The one that you sent in is the one we're using all year for this year-long contest. And that one was one that I had like done some heavy revisions to and then apparently not checked well enough because the character full on died and comes back a few chapters later as though nothing happened. <laughs> and funny. I got so roasted for it. Like, <laughs> and that's really understandable. It's a minor side character, but it's still like, wow, they just came back to life. Um, so obviously I fixed it, but I had to like, so the way that contest works is like 10 blogs all review your book if you're a finalist and they give you scores and whoever has the best aggregate score is the winner. And like, there was no way, you know, like whether the book was good or not, there was no way that I was surviving that. And I just oh. had to be like, I know, I know I fixed it, but it doesn't matter because it's all done. So, yeah. But it's such a minor character. You think they would just, I mean. And he wasn't even likable, you know, like <laughs> they probably yeah. wanted him to stay dead. That's probably what happened. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I guess uh, if he's one of those characters, I can understand the uh, yeah the feeling. But yeah, I've uh, I've definitely been there and I, I have no shame about editing the books that have already been there. Um, but I have recognized that we were talking before we started recording about um, audiobooks and producing them. And uh, I know a cartoonist, Howard, uh, I'm mentioning all these people from the Writing Excuses podcast, which was uh, like fundamental to my development as a writer. But Howard Taylor, he's like, I can change my cartoons up to the point that I draw them and then they're set in stone. Because right. I'm never like it's too much work to draw them. I feel the same way about recording things. Is like I'll change the book, but once I like record the audiobook, that is the forever version, at least of the audio. So I think That's true. actually that change that I made to Daughter of Flood and Fury is not reflected in the audio. And I'm not gonna go back and change those few lines in the audio because I want the recording to sound the same and it's just so much more work than you know, like editing a few lines and uploading a new version to Amazon. So yeah. yeah, I literally can't change the audiobook since uh, right. I'm not the narrator. So I'm so grateful that I caught those things before. But yeah. sometimes I toy with the idea of like the first book, like I like it, but there's like I almost have like a sort of tinkery feeling where like yeah. I feel like I could, there's a lot of exposition in the first third or so that I wish I could just like uh, change the pacing somewhat. And like, uh, like I feel like I guess this is because the first is my first published book, but I feel like I, I feel very confident and strong about the, the two sequels. Like, there's yeah. almost a few little things. There's like maybe three things I could think of I might tweak, but overall, I'm very happy with them. I never get the, this urge to tinker. But the, yeah. I almost wish I could do like a 10 year anniversary. Like, oh, nice. Yeah. Not, not that you I would change like the plot. Start a leather bound edition. Yeah. Like. You know, but with a different, <laughs> like maybe like flashback structure, like a different stru story structure that I want to yeah. play with. I guess I could. Maybe I will. It's something I've been definitely been pondering. Like, I love the story, but I wonder if there is a structurally more exciting way to tell just the first 
book. Yeah. I mean, I hundred percent relate to that that tinkery feeling because I have it on both of my book ones because that's like the gate that everyone must pass through to get to the later. Exactly. Books. Yeah. Good, you know, like like I feel like I'm still getting better as an author. So when I write book four in a series, I'm like, this is so good. And God, book one sucks, and everyone has to read it to get here, <laughs> and it like has destroyed me on both of the series that have written. Even when I go back and read the book one, I'm like, that's not as bad as I thought it was, but it's still make it better like that. Yeah, that's always that urge. Yep. And you can maybe someday. Yeah. Special director's cut, you know, that's what they do (laughs) in the movie business. Yeah. uh, Author friend of mine, Rob J. Hayes was like, that way lies madness. I think because (laughs) I do not. Yeah. So I resisted the urge mostly, but I did edit that last line of Daughter of Flood and Fury. Yeah, but it was interesting um, to uh, to kind of have that hole before before I published it and be like, wow, I need to fix this. And there are only so many ways that I could fix it. And I sort of felt like I came through it with something better for having had all of those limitations. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting experience. But uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it doesn't happen again because it's kind of scary to get deep. Into it is scary. And- and be like, what if this is just broken? Actually, I have a friend who like wrote a series that uh, is wildly popular, uh, Emma Wong, and she stopped because she's like, my world building is too broken. I can't, I can't deal with this magic system anymore. Even though people love this book, I'm all done. Oh yeah, no, I I, I got to the very end, like the climax, the final, you know, big thing, big set piece wow. of my trilogy, and I. I realized I hated the ending. Like I hated the the final, the climax was bad. It made, it was full of plot holes and I kept writing it and rewriting it. And I, I spent a month working, just rewriting the the last bit. And I couldn't, I didn't, no matter what I tried, I didn't like it. And I realized I had like this horrible panic. So my first two books are published at that point. And I'm like, yeah. Like this is the literally the most important part of the book. This is the climax of the entire trilogy. And it's, it's just bad. Like, the ideas are the I like the the character arcs are there and stuff, but just like the physical scenes of things that are happening make mm. no sense. Uh, and just it just yeah. doesn't feel very right. And I I agonized and agonized and then I just sat there for three months with writer's block, panicking because I'm like, I need to publish this book, but I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um and then somehow I watched The Lord of the Rings and something clicked oh, and I completely redid the ending. It was um and oh man, I was so relieved. I don't know what happened, but I just like realized, like I I thought they it had to be one type of scene. Like I won't I won't get into spoilers, but I had this whole you know thing planned out, and then I completely changed what happened and where they were and you know what was going on. Like totally different climactic scene, um, and it was like eighty million times better. And I'm so relieved that I just happened because I almost brought myself into a corner. The greatest fear. That's my greatest fear. <laughs> Well, yeah, the writer's block of I know this is broken, I don't know how to fix it is awful. But it's I feel like when I've had those times when like something is really broken or a vision and I finally figure it out, do you feel like you will never make that mistake again? Like that's the feeling I always have is like, this was so painful to fix that I've learned my lesson. I like to think so. But then I, I, I <laughs> thought I'd learn my lesson and then I got stuck on this new book. So I was like, yeah. oh, mm-hmm. I guess I didn't learn it as well as I thought I did. Uh, it's a different oh. lesson. This one is, yeah. is not like plotting of the climax. This is I that's need to do the world better. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. It's Give a different type yeah. lessons. Um, so what uh, what are you working on at the moment? If that book is like uh, is percolating, what's uh, what's on your creative palette? 
It's definitely percolating and I'm going to go back to it. Um, right now I'm branching out into something not quite a book. I'm working on a mystery box, um, which mm. is like, Interesting. it's like a portable escape room. Like you get a bunch of clues, like police reports, um, like videos, uh, you know, just like random newspaper articles, et cetera. And you try to find out who killed, you know, whoever the victim was. And huh. so I made this cast of characters that I yeah. found that I love making characters. It's like the yeah. most fun thing for me. Yeah. And then I made a bunch of puzzles and it's like, I, I, I was doing a bunch of these over, over Christmas and some of them were really good. And some of them I, I, I was doing them and I was like, I could do this with a better plot. And so nice. that's yes. often when I'm inspired to write, it's when I see something that I like a yep. lot, but not, but I still think there was something missing, and I like ah, oh, it was close, close to where totally. I wanted it to be, but not quite there. And that's this when I really get the be kick in the pants to to do that. So I'm working on that's on making one of those, and I'll see what I can do with it. Maybe, uh, hopefully, you know, sell it somewhere on Amazon. Um, yeah. Or yeah. That's awesome. And then go well, back to um, books after that. Yeah, you need to go back to books. I mean, but that sounds really cool too. Well, definitely let me know when it's out because I, I have never done anything like that. I haven't even done an escape room, even though it sounds awesome. Oh, they're very fun. Yeah, I love them. Yeah, that but, sounds really fun to write. Somehow I love this even more because there's more like, escape rooms are all about the puzzles. I like I like the, some of to have like a story in it too. So this is like a mixture of the puzzle solving and sleuthing that you can do with your friends, but also like there's a plot and like, story going on so you have to find from the clues i like it yeah i just want to always want to do something creative if i having writer's block on a book i'll find something else to do yeah totally yeah my my creative urge will like switch to woodworking or something else very different if if the words aren't coming but i do my best to make the words come because this is like i'm not very good at woodworking (laughs) you know like i want (laughs) to do it but like yeah this is where i've developed my talent so yeah um that's awesome well i feel like we've probably rambled at length hopefully this was interesting to y'all listening out there thanks for coming back we'll look forward to that mystery box when it's ready but uh if he doesn't listen to our other episode with morgan he does have a book that is literally for free the one that we've mentioned off and on marilia the warlord so there's a link to that in the show notes you should definitely check it out because it doesn't cost any money um, and I've got my own free book, which is more of a novella because I'm not as generous as he is, which is also linked in the show notes. So check those out. Morgan, you want to come back on sometime? I'm always happy to come on. Cool. Awesome. Well, uh, it was really fun chatting, especially the second time and just kind of hanging out. So good luck with the mystery box. Catch up soon. Yeah, thanks. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tide Collar Chronicle, visit www.levijacobs.com or for a free audiobook only available to podcast listeners go to www.levijacobs.com/free thanks for listening and read on